0: to this episode of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast with your host, Mike Drohan. Together, we'll explore the stories and journeys of ordinary people doing extraordinary things.
1: So one of the greatest things that my students can do is not follow my direction. I love it. And I'm not saying that in a snarky way. I'm going, wow, you just came up with another way for me to teach this.
0: David Wrasowski is known by many as the improviser's improviser. He's also exceptionally good at cognitively reframing the negative into the positive. Undoubtedly an asset for one who has decided to dedicate their life to getting up in front of an audience to perform completely unscripted. Also a pretty handy attribute for a teacher to have, I imagine. Having held the artistic director position at the prestigious Second City Center Los Angeles and performed alongside the likes of Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, Jeff Garland, and Amy Sedaris. This is a man who knows a thing or two about the art of winging it. The ability to improvise is something I've held a personal, lifelong fascination for, no doubt inspired by the golden era hip-hop I grew up listening to. Big L, Tupac, Biggie, Method Man, rappers from an era where the ability to freestyle was tantamount to the size of your reputation and your record contract. Now, as a podcast host, the ability to be fully engaged with my guest while steering toward or away from certain topics is certainly one of the most challenging aspects of the whole game. That balancing act between being in the moment and being in control, or as David would likely advise, actually relinquishing control. David is a master of this dance. He's also considered a bit of a maverick in the improvisation world as his present awareness improvisation method really demands that practitioners forget all of their preconceptions about why, how, and what improvisation is, and completely drop their ego at the door. Now, as you can imagine, this has not been positively received by every member of the performing arts community.
1: A major, a major revelation that I had is everybody's opinion of me is none of my business. And that was just one of these great things like, oh, oh, I don't care what you think. It's not my business. I don't spend any time thinking about you.
0: Uh, David, thank you very much for joining me on the Doing Epic Stuff podcast today. Uh, 1 p.m. local Australian Eastern Standard Time. What time is it in your neck of the woods?
1: I'll say it's 8.20-ish p.m. in Los Angeles, California, Pacific Time.
0: Ripper ripper yeah uh super excited to have you on i'm gonna just give a little backstory spiel as to listeners thinking how the hell does mike even know who this dude is and where did he get in touch with him so uh backstory is i was listening to one an episode of bobby capuccio's bobby capuccio his podcast bobby Cappuccio. hey mm-hmm. it's
1: bobby hi, B- Cappuccio. hi bobby yeah it's bobby
0: capuccio man best and, uh, thickest and, and boston and accent
1: Oh yeah! Here's the great thing about Bobby Capuccio If he, if you don't know what Bobby Capuccio looks like, he looks exactly what you think he looks like. <laughs> yeah,
0: it does.
1: he does. a finer and a and you and you hear that name, you go ah, he's probably a wise guy, heart of gold, heart yeah. of gold, and, 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 and great, you know, just just a great man. I'm sorry, you you keep great talking man. about no. it. You,
0: you, yeah, yeah. Any 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 praise Bobby's way is always warranted. I reckon he, that guy is a champ. And and fast on the mic, like that guy's brain moves at a million miles miles an hour. But I digress. So uh, you were on this episode of Bobby Capuccio's Bobcast, uh, podcast podcast, uh, David, and I was just loving how you guys were riffing along. You know, you were talking about improvisation, and improvisation for for me, to me, as someone who's loved hip hop my whole life. Um, you know, I love Gangsta, I love Big L, you know, I love Biggie. I, it's, just, it's been a soundtrack to my life in a lot of ways. Hearing hearing two guys who are natural born improvisers who've spent their lives getting better at it, just chatting was just hype for me. I loved listening to the episode. Um also blown away by, you know, your personal passion, David, you're still clearly very passionate about improvisation, sharing it with people and the benefits of it in a professional and personal context. Um, And particularly in that episode, I really, the part that resonated with me was Bobby talking about being at one of your lectures or courses, or it must have been something like that. And Bobby, who's a very self-assured well-renowned speaker now was talking about how he was in one of your classes and was getting super, super frustrated that he himself could not grasp this whole concept of improvisation. He's like, I'm usually pretty good at picking things up. I am shit at this and it's killing me. And he's actually talked about considering slinking out of the class during the break because he's like, you know, I'm Bobby Capuccio and this is not my bag. You know, it it was clearly shitting him. And you said something to him along the lines of it being his ego getting in the way of his ability to improvise. And when Bobby talked about that, I could clearly see how that was like a, that was like a a life-changing moment for Bobby because he had relied on his ego up to that point to get him where he was. And then all of a sudden, this dude, David Rosowski, was telling him to challenge the very fundamental understanding of who he was, and only through doing that could he progress. And my, blo- my mind was blown. So here we are now, that's why.:
1: <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, you're absolutely right, and I think that Bobby would have left had he not had uh, uh, John and Joanne with him, who brought him there, somehow connected with him. But absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and this says a lot about Bobby and it says a lot about those of us who are looking for something different in our lives. We don't know that we're we. we uh, I feel very certain about this, so I want to be I want to be careful you whether Take I your say time. It. there's um, no rush. Uh, it's about. Um, The expectations that you have about what your life where your life is supposed to be going, and uh, the only thing that's certain that we know is change, the only thing that's certain is change, I think that some of us without realizing it. are looking for an epiphany a transformation turn that's happening in our lives, so we enter into a particular. We go. I'm just going to check what this says out. I'm going to probably gonna be stupid. And you go, and somebody says one word or one sentence or moves in a certain way, and you say, "My life from this point forward is fresh, <laughs> uh, like fresh." And I've been redoing ever since you know the new president Biden was 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 elected here. Um, I'm a democratic. I'm, I'm, I'm a democrat. I'm a, uh, I'm a democrat. I'm a liberal. I'm progressive. Um, like we got rid of the other guy, I have been reading so many more books than I've ever read before, instead of raging against the machine online. And these books, I will open a chapter of a book and I will look at something and I will be shocked and it will affect my entire body. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, you're fundamentally changed. And whatever it is that you for, for me, I'm, I'm feeling that if you've entered, if somebody enters into my class, uh, my first thought is this is going to be a challenge for you. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be a challenge for you. It's going to be really, really hard, uh, especially it's harder for people who've never had. It's harder for people who have had years of improvisational experience than this for somebody new, because I am challenging all of the tenets and the methodology that exists in improvisation, because I feel like it stops a lot of people from exploring improvisation and bobby was one of those people it's like oh i just want to be more extemporaneous and i'd like to open myself up but what he didn't realize and what people don't realize and it's what we were talking about earlier is improvisation isn't just a way to it's not just a way to create content improvisation is a way to look at your life it's a it's a life choice that you're having where you're saying historically i would make a left turn at this street at Kings, whatever it is, uh, but historically, I can make that left turn. But I'm going to go straight instead, and the moment that you do that, you go. I am seeing things that I've never seen before, and I'm experiencing things that I've never seen before. And that's what we're looking for when we take an improvisational class: to look at things that, in a way that we haven't seen before. And I, and for most, you know, for m- most part, I, you don't have i don't know how, how do you become a professional improviser i don't know um, i was gonna uh, ask like,
0: you, you know, david i have no <laughs> yeah.
1: i'm one of the rare people mike who have made a living off of this and uh i'm one of the people that, one, of the, one of the people that, and and for me i'm what i want to do and this is a different topic or not is i feel like the improv artist needs to be elevated in the eyes of the theatrical world just because what we're doing, what an, when you see an improviser on stage, what you're seeing is somebody who has no script, who has no plan, who has no plot, getting up there and creating these scenes in real time. Um, so an actor that has a script can go back to the script, but this actor that you're seeing, this improv actor that you're seeing is the writer in that moment. They're writing it. He and the two people that you see up on stage, they're writing it mm-hmm. without a director without a head writer, without a showrunner, without a playwright, they're writing together how? How is it that when you do a scene and for me the work that I do is is elevated from your standard you know bar prob, bar improv um, and it's elevated and it's more of a theatrical experience and it's more of a theatrical experience because I, I can't I can't take shitty improv I fucking can't take <laughs> it. <laughs> so one of the things that I do is I teach this this concept, the concept being when you and I are doing a scene together, it looks like the two of us are doing a scene together, but it's actually one entity doing the scene. When you and somebody are collaborating on something, whether you're collaborating on an improv scene or you're collaborating on a project that you have, the most important thing to know is the two of you, and it's, it's called... Um, uh uh, 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 it's called attachment theory the two of you are not two you're attached you're one when you and i are working on a project together we have to start like collaborating in a way where i need to think in the way that you're thinking and you need to think in the way that that i'm thinking we have to connect on that way and so what does that mean that means that (laughs) i'm on a roll dude what does that mean that means that we have to surrender our ego put it in the back and realize the product that we're working on is is going to be so much more fulfilling if we're hip to the process. The process is the product. You and I working together, that's the process. The product of your life is the process of your life. There is no, you win. There's no, you have enough and now your life ends. It's your experiences of living is why you're living.
0: I like it. I like it. That What you were talking about, David, with the two people basically almost dancing together, whatever they're doing on that stage. They're, they're in synergy. Let's just call it. It's like a synergy it is what improv. When it's good, there's synergy. It, this reminds Absolutely. me of a, a passage from um, this book called The Way and the Power which is basically about Japanese warfare strategies uh, being taught to a Western audience. And the Japanese became very, very good at strategy, specifically with the sword, because they had the sword for such a long period of time and no firearms. So the only way that you could really win was to become better strategically. So their, their strategies are kind of like there's the world and then there's these next level crazy Japanese Strategy. so they went real deep into the shit you can do with a katana and one of the things they talk about in this book is that you can be you know there's there's a a practice where two sword fighters do this kind of back and forth with wooden swords as a practice to warm up where one steps forward one steps back one steps forward one steps back and they're kind of doing this mock hitting back forward back forward and it's like in the sport of kendo, you would do this now still, which is where they use the bamboo swords and the armor and all that crazy awesome shit. But what he, the author goes on to say is that when you see the experienced students do it is one thing, but when you see a, t- two of the masters do it, they, there is no pause between the back and the forward. There is no thinking. There is no thought. They're able to engage in this immediacy flow that complements each other. And there's no thinking about who does next, what, when. They're just doing it in perfect synergy. They're one. They're attached. Like they, are like they have some sort of crazy, invisible attachment.
1: And it's not crazy. And it's not invisible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're seeing it, right? It's right there it's right there and the attachment theory has has first started out as an infant and a mother because you can't have one without the other and one and and they're attached in that way but i'm as you're speaking i'm thinking it keeps coming back to me it's like you know it's it's coltrane and it's miles davis and it's coltrane miles davis charlie parker um you know it's these it's these jazz people where you go on if you I, I don't know how much you're into jazz, but for I me, I, I love it. Uh, oh, I, I love it so much! And last night, I went down a deep, uh, a, a deep rabbit hole with uh, a, a Cold Chains of Love Supreme, mm-hmm. and I and this is an important thing to do, and I and this this is see what you're talking about. What the Japanese did is that what they did, what they do, uh, because you also have Zen, Buddhism and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like they are mindful and aware of every fucking thing that's happening.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They
1: are mindful of what their partner is doing at this moment. There is no small move. They move and I'm I don't know if you can see this. You know, can you see that move? A very right there. I'm moving that much. I'm sorry. I'm moving that distance. Mm Now, I didn't say that and I correct myself because it's not that much. It's a move, a move. Mm. There's a difference between being still and making a move. When you make a move, everything's changed. And that's the thing about improvisation. And that's the thing about hand to hand combat is you're watching somebody because their body will project what it is that they're going to be doing. In improvisation, it's the same thing. If I get too far ahead of if I get if I don't stay in the moment with what you're doing, how you're looking, how you're moving, if I get ahead of that, I miss. What's happening right now. Got it. And the most important thing is what's happening right now. And I'm watching you and you're nodding and you're giving me cues of whether you understand or not, you're looking at me, your eyes are, I have a certain gesture to them that says concentration. And the moment that that goes away, I'm like, it, we've changed. The, the moment has changed. It's no longer there. And to be aware and mindful at the moment that that happened, we're now connected in that way because I noticed that you change and I'm not going to stay the same. I'm going to find out what it is that's happening right now Mm -hmm. and act accordingly. Mm -hmm. Does this make sense?
0: Yeah. So do you think just to cut in a little bit here, David, do you think some people are naturally more aware of that connection and feel that connection more deeply than other people so for example could i you and i could form this connection extremely well let's say let's say you and i can just riff well can, can i can i say something hmm. aren't we what exactly right but i, I feel we? like like right as, now. Soon as i chatted to you i was like nah, i could i could chat to a david rosowski for days and just talk shit to this guy like we we but i've i would consider myself quite I've always been able to connect with people quite well. That's one of my, I think, hidden superpowers is to be able to just understand someone, know when I'm engaged, and also feel it deeply when someone disengages when they speak to me. It's almost like a slap in the face. Like when someone, you know, they're thinking about their phone or something like that, it it touches me, right? Like I feel that, I know that. And I just wonder if... Is everyone like that, or are some people less you aware? You didn't of start it? out,
1: Mike. You didn't start out that way. You didn't start out that way. Hmm. I mean, I don't know you, but I don't think that you started out that way. I think you probably started out with a nugget of something where you look and you go, "Oh, I just noticed that somebody did something. I got to notice that more. I just noticed that somebody did something, and it looked like they were distracted. Oh, I got to notice that more. They just did something that leaning in." Uh, you know, you start, you start piling up these things that you start learning, the, the things that you start noticing because you can't do it if you're not noticing it, that you start piling it up and you're noticing it. it suddenly becomes inventory. And this inventory is what it is that drives us towards uh, being, a, being an expert at something. You call it a, you know, a, su- a superpower. Um, and it really is a superpower. But uh, for me, I feel like um, what really, really helped me Because I'm very good at that. I'm very good at noticing things. And I tell my students, it's like, I want, and this isn't about me patting myself on the back. I'm saying, I am here to be the model of how I want you to listen. And I am going to show you, and it's going to be really annoying, because I'm going to notice everything. (laughs) And I'm noticing everything. And the important thing is I'm noticing everything, not because I have to, but because I want to. And that's what drives me is I want to, I cannot wait. And when, I, when I'm improvising or when I'm teaching, I wanted to tell my students is I want you, and this is also about listening. I want you to be eager. I don't want you to be eager to talk. I want you to be eager to respond. And that's what makes a connection. Is it's not like I cannot wait to talk. I cannot wait to find out what you're about to tell me that's gonna inspire us to continue this conversation.
0: That's a real paradigm shift, I think, for a a really significant part of the population, David. I think that would (laughs) make them very uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, uh, uh,
1: Well, you know, it could be, or it could be something where, where somebody is finally seen, you know, someone is seen and someone is connected to in a way that they've never been connected to before, where someone is actually being listened to and they feel it because somebody just commented on the move that they made where they looked down, where somebody said something. You know, you say something to me and, and, and my head turns. And at that moment, you can either go, oh, he was distracted, or you can say, did I say something that offended you?
0: Let's mm, see, yeah.
1: And the moment you say, did I say something that offended you? They go, they'll first go, no, and then they'll say, yeah. And we have a safe conversation so you know that, you know, I, I, maybe I could tell you what offended me or I could tell you what it was. You know, if I wasn't offended, maybe it just reminded me of something else and we can have that conversation that leads us into that.
0: I love it. I love it. David, I had uh, Jeff Madoff on, on my podcast a little while back. He uh, wrote the book, Creative Careers, uh, making making uh, making careers from your ideas or something along those lines. Jesus he's going to crucify me for getting that wrong. But fix, he... Fix it in post. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I have the bow. He talked about how... He, he's a bit of a serial entrepreneur kind of dude. And he talked about looking back to his childhood. He could identify the kind of games he used to play like cops and robbers or or cowboys and Indians and really relishing that experience of creating a story on the fly with his neighborhood friends and doing things like setting up a little cinema in his basement and charging kids to come around and eat popcorn and watch the same shit they watched anyway, but it was in his basement. So it was cool Um, that they were, he was able to think about those things and he always looked back on them as ways that kind of, informed his future development of following interesting careers that were that rift along those lines, whether they were... He then went on to be producing uh, advertising uh, for various advertisers and clients and things like that. So he got into multimedia production. Um, he got into playwriting, all this sort of stuff. So very, very talented guy. I just... Can you think, looking at your own life and kind of looking at it retrospectively was there do you think there was moment or moments where you kind of went this improv thing is something that's really sparking with me and it's something I want to keep doing and keep exploring do you you remember what those moments were which is a big ask I realize because life is no
1: it's not it's not and and I I think it's not because (laughs) it's not because I just wrote a book And so it's like, and when you wrote a book a part of the book is memoir, part is philosophy, part is methodology and part is exercise. So I really had to do a dig, dig, a deep, a deep dig on that. Um, but I do remember I, I, what what I, I I think it all goes, of course, it all goes back to childhood and, um, my family moved around a lot. We went from school to school, to school, to school. Um, my brother had undiagnosed ADHD at that time. So he was he's two years younger than I. And so my brother and I i love him very much. I love him very deeply. And I don't know if you want people know this, but I've already said it. Um, uh, <laughs> but in that way, I never felt connected. I never felt like I was being heard. You know, I never felt I mean, my parents love me and all that. But they had their own shit that they were going through. And, uh, you know, they, they got divorced years later. But here's my point. Um, My mother, when I was, when I was 10, she uh, took me to this, uh, this uh, community center and she enrolled me in a class called drama and uh, drama was essentially just uh, improv games. And um, I remember being, we started in the middle of the semester. And so I didn't know anybody and I'm a kid that had low self-esteem. I had big nose, buck teeth, horn rim, glasses, and a headgear um uh you know daytime headgear i was mr popular and to come in and this woman yeah you know like those things you know, i remember during the day during the day so uh so i what would i remember i remember taking an improv class and i remember being accepted at that moment And at that moment saying, it doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter where I come from. It doesn't matter, you know, what click I'm in. Because the moment that we're in this room, everything else does not matter. All that matters is we're in this space and we can be whatever we want to be. And I remember thinking, this is safe harbor. Mm -hmm. And this is where I feel most connected and where and, and I didn't know this, but it was also where I felt most inspired, you know, at that moment. Uh, and, and, and what ends up happening, and I know you do this too, you know, we wouldn't have this, we wouldn't be here if this wasn't true. Um, you keep following that thing. It's not like I got to open the, the yellow pages. I was going to say the phone book. I go to the phone book. You just go from one thing that sparks you to another thing that sparks you to another thing that sparks you. And you just follow the shiny object. And I didn't have a plan. I never had a plan. All that I knew was I enjoyed doing this, hmm. and as it went on, there were other things where I, I'm, I'm a trained photojournalist. Um, I have a degree. A, I, have a, I have a degree in photojournalism. A journalist. I've done that, and I, you know, I stopped acting for four years in order to do that, and I had success doing that. But what ended up happening was it was like it was not sparking me, hmm. and I eventually went back to theater, and there was no turning back. And I ended up being in Chicago at a certain time where um, where, where, where theater was, was exploding, where old Mayor Daly in Chicago was dead, and now everything is like, there's a theater here, there's a theater here, there's a theater here, and people are doing crazy shit, like crazy, crazy shit, and I was part of it. And I eventually joined a theater company that performed in prisons and dealt with a guy who had my my director there was named John Berg. His name, his name is still alive. John Bergman, and John Bergman was this crazy fucking Brit, and he had these ideas, and he was working out at the University of Iowa. So you know it was kind of cool in that way. But we went into prison, and it was all movement oriented. It was non comedic. It was mask work, and at that moment I'm 25 years old, and I'm going, "What is this about?" It scared the shit out of me. It seemed disorganized and dangerous it wasn't all that dangerous because we were you know we, we knew what we were doing but at that moment it changed my it, again there was a shift and the shift is this what other people are doing in in theater is not what i want to do i want to do something else and i kept going i don't know what it is but i'm going to try this and i'm going to try that and you just keep stop cl- stop assuming the doors are closed man stop assuming the doors are closed just open it. If you have an idea, if you think you want to talk to somebody, drop it, drop them a note and say, Are you interested in having coffee with me? And you have no idea where this is going to go. But it's about Bobby's ego, Mike. It's about you know, the ego where it's, the ego says, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't mix up, don't mix it up. But your ego also says, mix it up. It's boring. And your ego goes, <laughs> don't be funny. It's like, oh, but be funny. So, like, whenever you find yourself, like, the first thing is, if I think, oh, I can't do that, it's like, no, nothing great has happened between the union of inspiration and ego. Nothing. So the moment that I'm inspired, it's like, uh, uh, my first reaction now is, I'm going to do that. And my second thought is, how? And my third thought is, I don't know, I'm going to do it.
0: It's the David Rizowski version of the growth mindset, basically. That is, that's like, that's, that's what it is.
1: But I look at people like, uh, I, I look at people like that, that fellow Manoff, And I, I look at people like that and I go, wow, look at what you're doing. Look at what you're doing. How fantastic is that? What a great, and, and you know, it's not about being jealous. I wish that I did that. It's like, I don't know. That's what you do. I have no idea how to do that. And, it, and, and I'm, I got my plate full right now. But to look at somebody like that and to say, what's, what's, what is it that, you know, what's your, what's your elevator pitch about being alive? What's your elevator pitch about being alive? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a question that needs to be asked more often. It's like, inspire me with that line. Inspire me with that line that says why you keep going. Hmm. Inspire me with that line that says what keeps you doing these, these podcasts. Cause this podcast isn't who it is that you are. It's just one of the things that you do. But what is it? That's the the intersection, of, you know, of the of, of the, the Venn diagram that all these things have in common. It's what is
0: to, it? I feel like it's it's more of a scarce thing that, than a common thing to have that kind of inherent thought that when there is that intersect, when the opportunity does come, that you just go full steam in it. That that is something you seem to have developed maybe earlier than a lot of people potentially do. A lot of people never really get that, right? The system kind of doesn't really celebrate that or it hasn't until now we're in this place where anyone can be a creator and maker of their own choosing. Um, Right.
1: Right. And, and, but it also has to do with the people that you hang out with that teacher that I had Esther, why that teacher that I had that didn't look at, at didn't look at limitations. Yeah. You know, that teacher that I had, it's like, come here, you're part of this, you're part of what it is that you have, you, you, your mother enrolled you here. And now here you are, and you came back three weeks in a row. So obviously something's going on here and we have to nurture that. We've got to nurture that. So I look at a lot of my students and, and a lot of these students, and I see that they're scared. It's like, it's okay, baby, you can be scared. It's scary, but know that I'm here to uh i am here i'm i'm here to i'm here to comfort you and direct you in the, in the in the direction that you're faced i had a teacher martin demont who said this who had this beautiful line uh he was a teacher at second city which is a the theater that um you know it's, a, it's the the premier improv theater uh in the improv sketch comedy theater in the united states and i was the artistic director there but before that i was an actor there uh with steve Carell and steve colbert and all those guys And uh, we had a teacher, and the teacher was Martin Demont, and Martin had this line. He said, "Teachers at Second City are the midwives to your voice. We're the midwives to your voice." And I thought, I thought about that for a long time, and I went, "They're the midwives to your voice." And he said, "We're not telling you to say. We're not telling you what to say. We're telling you say it." And the implication there is you got something to say, man. And everybody has something to say, but it's a matter of finding somebody that'll hear it.
0: Yeah. Finding someone that will hear it. And uh, yeah, to your earlier point, overcoming the the ego or getting the confidence, which maybe is the same thing just to say something is a big stepping stone for a lot of people, I think.
1: Uh, and and to to say that the way that you say it is different than the way that anybody's ever said it,
0: mm, mm.
1: you know, the way that you're looking at it is different than anybody's way. And if you think that it's the same way that it's the same, you know, it's like, oh, what do I have to offer? It's like, I don't know, try me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and and uh, but and 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 uh, you know, I don't know, I don't. One of the greatest things about being an elder states person in improvisation is uh, you get to mentor people and um, in mentoring people. um, It's uh, nothing's left on the table when you mentor somebody because you're giving them something and they're giving you something. And the beautiful thing about that is they keep reminding you why you're on this planet and you keep wanting to do more and you keep wanting to dig more and explain more and and show your passion in a way and um to show your passion that inspires somebody so you know that's what being a teacher is about i love my students they're my they're my favorite teachers my students are my favorite teachers because every time i say i don't know we're gonna try this you know i'm gonna throw something in and they'll, they'll all show up for class. 12 people show up for class from where now it's from wherever in the world. 12 people show up for class, and I'll go, and then they're, they're, they're eager and they'll say, uh, What? And I'll say, We're going to do this. And they went, Okay. And I'll say, It's all beta. I have no idea what I'm doing. And they'll go, Okay. And it's like, Oh my God, this is fantastic.
0: <laughs> did you yourself, David, did you seek any mentors in your professional journey? Because you've been, I mean, you basically, being in the who's who of, of great professional uh, entities in improv in the world. I mean, you've, you've also been involved in, in the university system. So many great roles. You mentioned Second City and great personalities and people, right? Like the the golden era of improv comedy, like Steve Carell and and these guys, Jeff Carlin, Amy Sedaris, how, how have you what's been the mentorship program have have you have you actively sought mentors to become better or do you just just get in there and improv and that has leveled you up and that's always been your north star
1: um uh, one of the things that when I was in Second City was when I was a, a student at Second City was you were able to sit in on any classes that you wanted to. So, and, and they don't do that anymore, but you're able to audit whatever class you wanted to. So I would I would watch some classes of, that friends of mine were in and I would say, this teacher really speaks to me. I'm not in this class. You know, they're a level ahead of me or two levels ahead of me. And I would just sit in it and I would just watch what the teachers would do. And I would just watch how they would react to each, uh, they how they would interact with each other. I watched how they problem solve, how they troubleshoot, how they um, they they would take somebody who had low self esteem and and build them up you know and I watched that and it it brought tears to my eyes and then when I was able to take classes from these people I'm like I I cannot fucking get enough of you I cannot get enough of you and it wasn't like <laughs> I would come to them well every once in a while, I mean when I, when I became the artistic director at Second City I would contact some of my mentors and say what do you do in this situation and they would help me and then after a while that. You know, you run out of people, they die off or, you know, in Martin's case, he died of, of AIDS in 2001, but they die off. But because they died off, because you knew them before they died off, their voice is still telling you things. Mm. They're, they're you know, like they're still within you, they're still alive, they're still teaching you. So I didn't pursue it like I want you to be my mentor, but it just I am gravitating towards you and what it is that you're doing, and your you teacher, your you performer are speaking to me one-on-one. At Second City, there was a bar across the street from Second City, and it was called The Last Act. And uh so we would go across the street, to the last act, as students. We'd go across the street, to the last act, and there'd be you know there'd be actors there, and it's like you and you buy them a beer and you just ask them questions and if they're like me when i got into the main stage i will answer any fucking question that you have i will talk to you about anything and i will talk to anybody about anything and, and and because i'm learning how i'm learning how to listen and i want to try it out with this person you know um i'm learning how to I, i'm learn. i'm learning how to connect i'm learning how to get under my shell i'm learning how to like like make this day different than any other fucking day that I have by you telling me something that I've never heard before.
0: To be you a fly know? on the wall of that bar, that must've been something incredible going on in there. Was that one of those it's... unique uh, moment in time places that just can never be repeated, right?
1: Oh, well, there's a bar across the street treatment, second city. It's called uh, the old town ale house. And uh, and, and it's it looks the same that it did in 1959, you know, probably. <laughs> it looks the same. The walls are stained with tobacco. You can't smoke in there now, but the walls are stained with tobacco stains. And there's pictures on the wall of old Second City people and just neighborhood funky people that used to live there. And the jukebox is probably the best jukebox on the north side of Chicago. And you put money in and you just sit there and you just take it up. You soak it up and you sit there and you watch people go by. And I knew that one of my teachers had like he was, he was at the corner of the bar. No no matter what after every class and maybe before I don't know if he was a drinker uh, <laughs> when I got into the touring company I came in and I said Donnie DePolo is it it's like Donnie I knew you were gonna be here Donnie Donnie I got into the touring company and he's like ah oh, I'm so happy for you this is great and then you know I didn't ask for advice but he said you know do your job pay no attention to the gossip and you're gonna have a great fucking time and I'm like great great and I never forgot that mm-hmm. I did not forget that mm-hmm. um so, uh, but you know, I, I want to, that's one of the drags about what we're doing right now, because everybody is, I'm improvising with people in this, in this rectangle and it's great. And I'm really feeling great about it. But after our class, I hit leave that, that, you know, that leave button, and then I'm in my apartment by myself and yeah. I can't go, let's meet across the street for a drink.
0: Yeah. That, it's,
1: it, that's where it is.
0: I totally get it. That's the, that's the follow on that is really, I feel is lacking in my life too. Like I, I feel like I would love to just, you know, post podcast or whatever it is. I mean, aside from the fact that I can't do this in person, but it's those, all the interesting shit in life is at the edges, isn't it? Right? Absolutely. It's, it, it's, it's those moments outside of the moment where all the interesting shit happens, at the after drinks or at the way to work or the, the meeting that you didn't expect to have at the train station. That's when the real, you know, that those magic things happen. And because our time is so compartmentalized in this square, great in some Literally. regards, right? You were saying before, right. David, you can speak to more and teach more people than ever before. This is this is this is the time to shine for people like you who have something really valuable for humanity to learn and can charge for it. But the downside is, yeah, that the, the magic that that extra magic just isn't there like it should be right
1: right but but you're absolutely right it is like like the how much cool shit happens at the edges of life um those moments i mean i know that you know i, I you know for me I, I i one of the things that when i think about when i think about you know traveling one of the first cities that i think about is melbourne you know <laughs> i think about i think about um what street is uh is the theater on um uh uh, anyway uh, where, where's parliament
0: yeah so near spring street i think spring street might be the yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah 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 it's right there and, and like so we leave the you know i'd leave class and we'd bundled up because I, I would always be there in the fucking winter time like a jerk uh, and i would bundled <laughs> up and uh it's like where are you going it's like we know a pub around the corner it's like great and then last call and then you're at last call and then you're standing out there and you want to just stand and talk to these people until four o'clock in the morning um because because it's grand to be alive man and i'm very i'm lucky that i can do that but um uh i don't know i don't know where my point was but that's where i am
0: (laughs) i want to i want to talk about i want to talk about present awareness david is that cool because i feel i want to unpack this a bit because I have a friend and an old colleague, Stacey Caruthers, and she decided to pursue an acting career. She just goes, fuck it. It's going to be my calling. I'm going to get out of the marketing game. I'm going to go full steam at this. And through happenstance, we were having a coffee and talking about improvisation. And she now does like three days a week of an improvisation course, which I just thought this sounds amazing. Because I feel like one of the things that would allow me to level up as as a as a host would be better at improv. So I thought maybe I'll challenge myself sometime and go give that a crack, but her and I, I think you
1: didn't, but you, you didn't,
0: I would love to. It's just timing wise. I can't go there in person, it. but Got it's it. on the radar. I'm going to have to do it. Cause I said to her, I would do it. I'm I I'll do it. Screw it. And it makes me feel uncomfortable. So I should do it. So that's what mm-hmm. I kind of figure, but coming back around, I guess her question, I think we were discussing this over email was, you know, present awareness being so important and being sort of integral to being able to, to riff, whether it's improvisation skits or whether it's being, you know, hip hop or whatever it is, that, that ability to get in the moment, I think, is challenging for people and getting more challenging with this myriad of digital bullshit that's just growing and, and vying for our t- attention, right? So. My first right, question I stop
1: is you there. I, 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 wait, I, before you even ask a question. Stop me. It's very interesting the way that you put it. Because you say you said how challenging it is to get in the moment. I think that's what you said.
0: you mm-hmm.
1: You're always in the moment. The challenging thing is get all that bullshit that isn't in the moment away from the moment.
0: So it's a process of removing not adding. Exactly. It's Michelangelo, it's, it's David.
1: That... Perfect.
0: That's it. We That's just it. solved it.
1: That's it. That's it. I mean, for me, it's not about what is not here. It's about what you're bringing to here that you don't need.
0: That is So profound. if you
1: want to be in the moment, here's the thing. <laughs> this
0: is the beautiful thing. It's blowing my mind, David. <laughs> hear this?
1: If you want to be in the moment, you're in the moment. If you say to yourself, I want to be in the moment that puts you in the moment. I'm in the moment. I'm here right now. All that I can do is stop. So anybody listening to this right now, stop, let's stop, let's stop. And just look at the things that are around you and realize these things
0: are here and you're now in the moment. I'm going to get a voice recording. I'm going to take that little snippet, David. And anytime I'm feeling distracted, I'm going to just play that. You need an app. (laughs) It's funny that you say that
1: because it was like I had a student. um, (laughs) uh, I I said this on my TED talk. I had a student who said, um, I really love what it is that you're offering me. I really love what it is that I learned in this class. And she said, the next opportunity I have to be in the moment, I'm going to do that. And I was like, wow, wow, okay, all right, thank you so much for saying that to me. It's really cool. But but what we think is we think that we have to bring something in order for us to be here, but we're already here. So the thing that, you know, what I what I keep telling myself is when, when I find myself taking my, because I take a morning walk every morning, I take a morning walk, and when I find myself taking a morning walk, and like all the, like, what's happening, money, food, responsibility you know why haven't i done my will yet i'm 62 years old uh like all this stuff and i'm like stop be here now be here now be here now i had uh, i work for uh I, I did something called the, the california summer arts festival brought on by the uh, put together uh, produced by the california summer california state university program and I worked with a company called Steppenwolf Theater Company, which is just one of the best theater companies on the planet. I know that they've played Melbourne, and I know that they played Sydney, and they did shows down there, uh, August Osage County, doesn't matter. Uh, but I worked with this woman named uh, Alexandra Billings, who was just a phenomenal spirit and force. And we were doing this one extra, I, I was teaching there and I would watch, this is the mentor, I would watch Alex teach. I would watch, you, I would watch her teach. And uh, there was one, she was pushing this one character to read really shatter what they're talking about shatter which is let your facade down be vulnerable shatter and she kept pushing him and pushing him and pushing him and pushing him and then she said one thing and he broke down crying sobbing shaking couldn't breathe couldn't breathe couldn't breathe and she grabs she grabs she grabs him and she she says what's your name angel what's your name And he said, my name's Roberto. What's your name? What's my name? Your name's Alex. There's a clock up there. What time is it? It's like, it's 1130. Good, good. Who's that? That's Nancy. What's this called? It's called a floor mat. What do you put on your feet? Shoes. What you did there was brought him to the now. When you find yourself going down a fucking rabbit hole, stop. And go... I can go down this rabbit hole. It's okay. As long as I know that I'm going down a rabbit hole. It's when I'm mindlessly going down the rabbit hole that I get scared. So at that moment you go, okay, I'm going to give myself this for a few minutes. And then I'm going to come back to my lamp and the coaster and my iPhone and my cat and the clock and my name.
0: You've, preempted one of my questions, which was how do you control or try to control the, the, the fear or, or the nerves or the panic that can, that can come over you under a stressful improvisational type situation where you just, you're feeling crippled? And I guess the answer is there, which is you just need to be back in the present. Look at the microphone. Absolutely. Look at your hands. Right. Think about what you're right. doing. Right,
1: because the moment that you start, the moment that you start panicking, the moment you start worrying, you're rehearsing for something that you hope doesn't happen, and you're no longer here.
0: That's what's worrying happening, isn't it? Is That's re- what the panic is. The panic is you tearing this fabric between where you are and what you're doing, and then suddenly, absolutely, it—the tear happens, and you lose track of the fact of what where you actually were, and you're no longer worried about where you're doing what you're doing, just feeling this panic. That's amazing,
1: right? It really is amazing. And the beautiful, and that's why, you know, I'm not a Buddhist, but that's why Buddhism is, you know, so revered by so many people. And and it's a great great tool to have because it's really about whatever it is that you're worrying about doesn't exist. You know, all that matters is the feeling that you have right now. And even if that feeling that you have right now is pain, you get to feel the pain. Pain is part of life. Uh, Sadness is part of life. Joy is part of life. But one of the things that we know is it's fleeting. So while you have it, um, appreciate it. And there's a phrase that uh, Michael Bernard Beckwith, a a, a great spiritual person out here in Culver City, he said, um, uh, 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 replace ambition with gratitude. So take a moment just to think about that. Replace ambition with gratitude. What does that mean? That means be grateful for what it is that you have and realize that whatever it is that's going to happen to you, you have no idea what's going to happen. and so when those things do happen appreciate it but if you think this is going to happen you're going to be wrong <laughs> and and so one of the things that, one of the first things that i teach for my students is 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 if someone says like what is it that you teach what's the core of what it is it you teach what's the bedrock uh it's feel the feelings you're feeling the moment you feel those feelings Feel the feelings you're feeling the moment you feel those feelings. And that always brings you to now. The challenge is recognizing that you're feeling those feelings. And all great improvisers, I think, and certainly theatrical improvisers, they really have a handle on what they're feeling the moment that that they feel it. Any good actor is going to know the feeling that they have in that moment. Because you and I were having this conversation, and I just saw you get serious like <laughs> that affected me right like at that moment I'm watching you and I'm getting cues from what you're doing and how we're talking and the tempo that we're speaking and the way that we're sitting and all these are cues and i'm not i'm not I'm not letting go of any of them because they're all telling me how to connect to you
0: the, the moment when I got serious, I think David was the moment it kind of dawned on me that for the best part of probably the last sort of 10 years, I've sort of tried to delve into meditation more and more, right? Trying to you, just trying to explore this thing, right? Trying to just understand it. And I have felt the massive positive aspects to my whole life just through being more, through understanding that meditation, realizing day after day after day that I know actually know fuck all about it, but that doing it every day is benefiting me in so many different ways, right? And, and it's that one of the key things, if I was to try and put it into words, and I think meditation is one of those things you probably, the reason people don't do it is they try and think about it too much and it becomes stressful and then they hate it. But one of the things I think I can, that's define, the problem.
1: The problem is they're thinking, that's the
0: problem. Right. They're, they're, they're overthinking
1: going. and overthinking. They're not they're just, they're just fucking no, meditating. They're not overthinking. They're fucking thinking. <laughs> they're not overthinking They're thinking. And that's the problem. Like there's this book by – there's a book by um, uh, Steve Hagen, uh, a, a Buddhist monk in Minnesota, Twin Cities, and it's called Buddhism. It's not what you think. And it's like that's the greatest title nice. of the book. <laughs> Buddhism is, a is not what you think. <laughs> it's not what you think. And so you, but I, I, I interrupted you because I got so inspired by what you said. So uh, let's good. go back to your saying that you, you, you do the meditation and it's the, it's the challenge of overthinking.
0: And the, the, the one thing, like if I was to take it, if I was trying to define the takeout of, of value from it, if I was to give it a word, it is that awareness. It's absolutely, that's the thing I've gotten from it. And, and it, clearly that's what you're riffing on in, in, a, in a different context. It's that ability to be aware. And through that awareness, you are aware of the present, and you can do what you want to do from there. Not be kind of controlled by your your mind and have it feel like it's telling you what to do. I guess.
1: Absolutely, mm. absolutely. And I think I think uh, I think you have to give yourself credit. Uh, it sounds like you're doing fine with meditation. <laughs> <laughs> it really sounds like you're doing fine. It's like because that's really what it is. Meditation is this. It's sitting. Still, listening to your breathing, paying attention to your breathing because the breathing is not attached to a thing. It's just something that's happening to you in that moment, and you're listening to your breathing, and you're aware of. And and, and 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 this is like you you can't no, but there is no Olympics of meditation. It's like mm. it's a practice, you know. So it's this thing where where you're aware that thoughts are coming into your head, and you're aware of them. You're aware. It's that word, aware. You're aware that they're coming in your head. You're going. Do I want to spend any time on that? Nope. Gonna let it pass. Gonna let that pass. Gonna let that thought pass. Gonna let that thought pass. Gonna let that thought pass. And I'm breathing. I'm listening to my breathing. And so, what you're talking about, I'm so glad you brought up meditation because I was, as we were talking earlier, I was thinking all improvisation is meditation. It's it's meditation on stage. It's I am here, I am existing, and that word was just said to me. That thought was just said to me. I have a choice of either engaging with it or not engaging with it. If it takes my breath away, I will engage with it. If it changes my physiognomy in some way, if it changes me physically, if, I, if my, my, my shoulders fall or I look away, it's like I was moved. My body is telling my heart what to do. And, um, and my mind has to be aware that my body is telling my heart what to do and my mind's not the my mind is not the source of, of, of who I am. My heart is the source of who I am. So it's a matter of training my mind to listen to my heart, and to be able to express what it is that my heart is saying. And whether it's me being angry or whether it's me being joyful or being scared, whatever it's going to be, I ask myself, what does my heart feel in that moment? Because the only thing you know is what you're feeling in that moment. That's the only thing you really know for sure is how you are feeling in this moment. And if that's what it is that we're working on, because I, 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 I don't know how you argue with that. That's the only thing you really know is how you're feeling. And I can't tell you you're wrong. That's how you're feeling. And that's such a wonderful thing to go. I'm feeling this. This is what I'm feeling right now. And nothing, when I'm improvising, nothing comes out of my mouth that first hasn't been dipped in my heart. And what I mean by that is I listen, I see, it goes to my heart. I feel it. And then my brain's responsibility is to put it into words, what I'm what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling. And that's awareness. And you know, people are people are busy. But you you choose to take up the mental British thermal units, use the mental BTUs any way that you want to. And I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not here to go, you're wrong. I'm here to say, can you take a moment and just be with me for a fucking moment? And if you want to look at your phone, Mike, look at your phone that has nothing to do with me. You know, if you want to be distracted, be distracted. You know, uh,
0: I've got a quote here, David, it was, it must've been a past student of yours. And they've said, David taught me to overcome my fear of failure, which opened me up to a whole new world of possibilities. And I thought, how the hell did he do that? Like, how, how did that happen? Because that, I think this fear of failure, this <laughs> imposter syndrome, this, this issue of not being mm-hmm. good enough is absolutely everywhere and in almost everyone. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, we've got generations of it. And it's really, really, really difficult for people to get over that. And I think it's preventing a lot of people from taking that next step towards exploring a career outside of the standard mm-hmm. syllabus, shall we say or creating something new and putting it out in the world. So can you kind of talk me through that a little bit, David, like this, this fear of failure and and, and how it relates to improvisation? Sure.
1: Um, uh, uh, there's, there's a lot to, uh, to, there's so many things, like how do I, there's so how many different ways of getting into this, this. It's really kind of cool. It's really cool. Like how many different ways of getting into this? Uh, first, I want to, I want to address the concept of imposter syndrome um, because imposter syndrome is essentially you lying to you. Um, it's, it's, and, and what I mean by that is this, um, can you talk about Kanye for five minutes? <laughs> I think can, I'm I'm could not gonna, talk, we're not going to do it now.
0: Can I you think I could about talk five about five Kanye for five minutes?
1: Yeah. For 10, for 10 minutes.
0: I think i'd struggle with 10
1: how about how about 15 minutes you'd still be able to like like it's not like you have to have fact after your after, after fact.
0: i could just riff you off i talk could talk about-, talk about the Kardashians off the site yeah i could go places yeah yeah i could right up.
1: right all right great great can you so um are you an expert on kanye
0: no not by any stretch
1: If you can talk about it for 15, 20 minutes, a half an hour, talk about the Kardashians, you're an expert on Kanye. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Because you're not – if you were an imposter, you couldn't bullshit your way through there. (laughs) So whenever somebody says, I have imposter syndrome, it's like, about what? It's like, I don't know. I I uh, uh, I I don't know if I should be teaching improvisation. It's like, can you talk about improv for five minutes? Yeah, for sure. Ten minutes? Yeah. Fifteen minutes? Yeah. Half an hour? Yeah. If you two hours? Yeah. If you were an imposter, you wouldn't be able to do that. So a lot of it is recognizing what it is that you love and what your passion is. And to say, I may not be that textbook expert, but I know a boatload of stuff. So a lot of what it is that's happening is that when it comes to people saying, when it's like, for me, uh, there, there is no failure. And I know this is really hard because every time something doesn't go your way, you learn something from it. So that the next time that you're doing something with that, you're not going to make that choice. You're going to make another choice. So it's a matter of going, I learned that and I learned it only experientially. So it wasn't a failure it was something that I did that taught me something. Am I making sense there? Mm -hmm. So one of the greatest things that my students can do is not follow my direction. I love it. And I'm not saying that in a snarky way. I'm going, wow, you just came up with another way for me to teach this. You got it wrong in such an interesting way that, and I want you to know this sincerely, you got it wrong in such an interesting way that I have to rethink how I teach this. (laughs) And And, 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 uh, and will you make that mistake again? And they'll go, maybe I'm like, but you'll think about it next time you're approached with this kind of situation. Won't you? Yes, I will. That's mindfulness. That's awareness. That's learning from failure. So failure is something, but failure isn't the end of the road. Failure is just a place in the road. Is it a pothole on the road? No, no. I oh, do no. you know, pothole, you call them potholes? Yeah we'd,
0: yeah, we'd say that, sure.
1: Great. So it's, you know, for me, it's just another spot in the road that takes us down because I look at all the things that didn't work out for me that led me to something that worked out. I look at all the things that didn't work out for me and led me to something that worked out. I was auditioning, uh, I was 24, 25, I was auditioning for a play and I auditioned with a poem and the director went, why'd you do that? And I said, I just, I want to do something different. And he goes, did I ask you to do something different? I was like, nope. And he goes, don't do that anymore. I'm like, okay. And then uh, he gave me, he referred me to the director for, for Geese Company, for the theater company for prisons, because he's like, I'm not going to use them and pass me off here. And that changed my life. So look at all the things that you're doing and look at all the things that had to fuck up in order for you to get to where it is that you're going. Hmm. i had to be married for 14 years 10 of which were good four of which were horrible and my marriage in order to find this partner that i have right now who is just she is just fantastic i mean i'm done you know what i mean i'm i i and i never thought i'd be able to say i'm done so but my point is this you know was my marriage a failure no it wasn't a failure at least that's what i you know there's a woman on the world who may disagree but for me, you know for me, <laughs> I'm sure that she learned something from it too and she did I know she did so it's that feeling of like looking at it and saying what things that I have right now relationships that I have interactions friends that I have right now how like looking back on it say you know say uh, like what had a fuck up in order for me to great to have this great thing
0: so it's it- Reading between the lines, or attempting to, it's it's how we're framing failure that gives us the fear of it, as opposed to it being something that's scary in and of itself. And if we can, if we can frame it a certain way, we can see it as a, positive and, a and a this is again this kind of growth mindset thinking. If we can see it as as just a stepping stone,
1: I love that you use the phrase stepping stone because I'm thinking how many times did you have to fall before you learn how to walk? How many times did you have to fall before you took your, your first step? Everything that we know how to do, mm-hmm. we learned. And it didn't come to us naturally. We're not birds. I don't even know what I mean when I say that. But, you know, it's that feeling like every single <laughs> thing that you know how to do, you know how to do because you didn't get it right the first time and then you kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper, particularly because, you know, you, you have so many podcasts and you've met with so many people and you've arranged this thing and you've got this system down of how to do your podcast. And then when your podcasts are over, it's like it's not over. You get to slice it up and write this stuff about it and connect on these other levels and listen to other people's podcasts and be inspired by them. And it's, you know, you're, you're, it's a great life but it's a great life that includes the failures (laughs) that brought you to this great life. Um, You know, anybody that, you know, anybody that's doing that's lifting weights or something, it's like, you know, you're lifting weights. Part of lifting weights is you not being able to lift that, that X amount of pounds yet. So it's a matter of you going, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Why am I going to do this? Because I love doing it. I love doing it. You know, or, or it drives me. It's like the how and the why don't matter. If you're interested in doing it, fucking keep doing it. And sometimes just do it just to do it. I mean, for me, one of the great things that I loved about working out when I was working out at a gym was um, the feeling of my muscles you know, straining as I'm lifting that weight. And then later on being reminded when I lift up a cup
0: going, oh, my arm hurts. Yay. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's almost the best part of it, isn't it? It's the post soreness that makes you really appreciate. It's that a you've reminder, done it.
1: Mike it's a reminder it's it's to say I'm in the moment feeling pain because I did something that I love. I did something earlier and that reminds you of that moment that you did earlier. And so as, as many of these things that you can do to remember as many, as many things as, As many times as you can to remind yourself of being in that moment, that will help you later on live a very full life because you're going, today, okay, I took a walk today. I I take a walk. I walk about five miles every day. And then when I'm done with my walk, I have a cup of coffee. I go to a cafe over here and I think to myself, where did I go? Now, why do I do that? I do that just because I'm like, what did I see? What do I remember seeing? Because if I don't do that, then what was the point of my walk? To be mindful and present to where it is that I am. And to remember every once in a while to go, get on your head, Dave. You're taking this step. You're walking off the curb. You're crossing the street. There's a car over there. There's a woman in a a stroller. There's like that. Remember where you are because those are the moments that make you alive or remind you of being alive. Uh,
0: David, if there's people who are listening to this who would like to work with someone such as yourself, is that a possibility in this current Ira, are you starting to do, are you doing online courses or will there be stuff uh, coming up? Uh,
1: the best bet is uh, to go to my website, um, uh, davidrosowski.com and uh, hit contacts and send me a message. And that, and I respond to all the messages that I get. And uh, I tried, I'm, my, my, my schedule is wonderfully full, but uh, I do private coachings and I also have online classes, uh, a lot of on- online classes. Um, and it doesn't look like I'm going anywhere anytime soon. So I have a lot of time. So wherever the hell you are, I can meet with you, but davidrasowski.com, uh, that is the best place to connect right there with me.
0: I can attest that, that David does in fact respond to everything because I saw on a YouTube, some random YouTube video that David was on, someone had written some comment some fluffy comment and David had taken the time to respond and said, thank you for responding. Right. Person X. I right. value your opinion. Uh, and be, by all means, feel free to Absolutely. send me an email. <laughs> was like, somebody, it was probably awesome. somebody
1: saying, I'm sure I would, I remember probably it sounds familiar was somebody going, you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, I'm glad that you feel that way. It'd really be great. If you <laughs> want any moment, I will talk to you and I invite you to come to any class that I have that you have that, any class that I have. Um, I love it. uh, You know, I I think a major part, and I think I mentioned this uh, elsewhere, a major part of what it is, a major major revelation that I had is everybody's opinion of me is none of my business. And that was just one of these great things like, (laughs) oh, oh, I don't care what you think. It's not my business. I don't spend any time thinking about you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. You can find all the latest happenings on the website doingepicstuff.com or our Instagram, Instagram forward slash doing epic stuff. We out. Are-